0: Hi, everyone, it's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Nicole Gibbons, the founder of Claire. She shares her story about how she started the first direct to consumer paint company. But what I really loved about this interview was her enthusiasm for entrepreneurship, that she's not afraid to vacation solo, and that she really, you know, was smart and planful about making the leap into starting a company. So take a listen. I am with Nicole Gibbons, the founder of Claire.
1: Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So for my listeners, what is Claire? Claire is a brand new direct to consumer paint company. Our whole mission is to make buying paint for your home easier and inspiring. I saw an opportunity to improve the process and and we're we're super excited to be out in the market. Awesome. What made
0: you decide I'm gonna go into the paint category? Cause that's a rare one. Yeah. You don't often meet, you know, you have people disrupting tampons or glasses or whatever, but you said paint.
1: So I'm an interior designer, and I think my background is a really important part of the story, and I always wanted to build a brand that enabled me to share my design aesthetic with the masses, because design is kind of a luxury service business. If only a few select people could afford my services, that's great, but um, my goal was always to do something so much bigger, Um, and I was always inspired by the Martha Stewart business model and thought that perhaps one day I would explore licensing, but I didn't really feel feel like the licensing model made sense for me and given like sort of the time that we live in it just wasn't the direction that I wanted to to take and I was far more inspired by people in other categories Warby Parker, Casper, and what they did for their respective industries. And in particular, I loved the really unsexy product categories. Okay. And I feel like in home, <laughs> it, like the more obvious thing is like furniture line or, you know, but I felt like I really wanted to do something innovative. I really wanted to solve a big problem that hadn't been tackled before. So I kept thinking about what I could do in the home space that made sense. And paint was the perfect, like sort of light bulb moment that I had. It's such an important part of design. It's colorful. Color really has a huge impact on your mood and it sets the foundation for the design of your space. And then, you know, just the bigger issue is that shopping for paint sucked. Totally. (laughs) And I wanted to make it better. So that's why I chose paint. And when,
0: you know, I I think of going into paint as similar as, Uh, in terms of complication is developing a beauty formula or a beauty brand, right? You're dealing with lots of materials, lots of ingredients. How did you even know where to start?
1: Yeah. So I've always been super resourceful. um, And so I just started talking to folks. Um, In my design career, I'd had an opportunity to work with other paint companies. And so I had enough of a foundation about the industry and I knew the sort of basics of what goes into paint. And it was really about how do I find someone to make paint? Like, what's the process of manufacturing paint was like more the the battle. And it was just a lot of research, talking to people, Googles, <laughs> all of the above. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of just got connected with all the right people. Um, there was so many in my alumni network. I, uh, I went to Northwestern. So I connected with someone from my alumni network that worked in the R&D space and paint, and she was a super helpful resource. So I sort of just like figured it out and, and sort of hustled my way through to, to getting to the, all the right folks.
0: And so when you had this idea, were you working at a company or you had your own business prior to launching Claire?
1: Yeah, I was running my own design firm. So wow. I operated a design firm uh, in, in New York City. So I was doing a lot of residential projects and also doing a lot of television, working with brands as somewhat of a design influencer and wearing many hats. And then before running my design firm, I worked in PR for 10 years. So I sort of, am combining all those experiences in, into this company, but yeah, I was running my, my design firm, which is great because I had a lot of flexibility to really pursue this and, uh, you know, do all the research and, and everything it took to to figure it out.
0: So when you launched Claire, and I'm assuming you closed down your design business. Yeah. Was that hard? To let go of that baby or you were ready?
1: I I think I was kind of ready. So it had been almost five years. I felt like I loved what I was doing, but I wasn't fully energized by the work anymore. I felt like I wasn't getting exactly the kind of clients I wanted. I wasn't wearing many hats. So, you know, I, I felt like I just wanted to focus on doing one thing really, really well. So I started working on the business at the beginning of 2017, and that's when I decided to stop taking on new clients. So in 2017, at the top of the year, I think I was wrapping up two projects from the year prior. And after that, I didn't work anymore. And so other than Claire, which was not paid and, you know, it was definitely a risk. I lived off my savings the whole year, but I don't regret it at all. I wouldn't be here today if I was trying to juggle both.
0: Totally. So I'm always trying to find out from women that have left corporate America, you know, to pursue their passions. What is that essence within you that made you go, okay, I'm going to do this? I mean, I take it it was launching at first your design company and then Claire, but what is that spark within you that you're like going out on my own going to do this?
1: I think it was instilled in me by my father. Both my parents actually are entrepreneurs, but my father especially, ever since I was a little girl, I remember him always telling me, you never want to work for someone else your whole life. You always want to work for yourself. It's the best thing you can do. And I had his example. He had a really successful company. I watched how he ran his business and always had this idea that someday I'd have my own business. I didn't know what that would be at the time, but um I always sort of I think I cultivated that entrepreneurial spirit because of his influence.
0: And so what would you say some of your biggest challenges have been since launching Claire?
1: I think one of my biggest challenges is like, you know, being a solo founder is hard. You know, you can't tell your team everything. You can't tell your investors everything. Like there's no one to bounce the tough problems off of all the time, you know. And, you know, I've made other founder friends, which has been tremendous. But like sometimes I need to make a decision now and there's like no one to bounce it off of. And that's been the biggest challenge is just, you know, you always hear that running a company can be really lonely and being a CEO is really lonely. And it is that, I think. That that's definitely been a challenge and just working through like how to build that right support system around me. And, you know, no one really is born, you know, knowing exactly how to be a great CEO. And particularly in startups, you have people like myself who come from a totally different field. And all of a sudden, you're responsible for like growing a company and, you know, leading a team. And, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a while to cultivate those skills.
0: Totally. And how big is your team now? Or five people, tiny but mighty. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm curious to know your experience in fundraising. You know, women, I sound like a broken record. 3% of VC funding goes to women. I know that, you know, women of color is also definitely uh, even less of that pie. So talk to me about how you fundraised, your approach, how you sort of you know, bucked the the trend?
1: Yeah, I think there were a few unique things about my fundraise process. One is that I was tackling a really interesting category that no one had ever thought about before. And I think VCs always think they're, you know, VCs are smart people and they always are in the know about all the biggest market opportunities. And so to be bringing this opportunity to the table, that is number one, a huge market opportunity. Number two, like, such a great sort of founder fit, as they put it, like design background, 10 years in retail, because when I worked in PR, I was working for a huge omni-channel retailer, you know, and uh, somewhat of an influencer. And there were all of these really unique things, I think, that made my story really compelling. And then, you know, I have a really clear vision for how to build this company. Um, and I think all of those things combined really caught people's attention because of my background, you know, it, it was on television, you know, Oprah Winfrey Network, all of these like stamps of approval. Right. So it wasn't a challenge to get people to take the meeting with me. And I just tapped into my network for the most part, you know, and LinkedIn and finding somebody who knows somebody, you know, and had a lot of meetings. But I think ultimately, it just came down to having confidence in what I was building and being able to convince investors that, you know, I can make it happen.
0: I would love to hear about your previous life. You were at Victoria's Secret. Yeah. So when... At what point then did you know, okay, this is, it's time to leave?
1: Yeah. So I started at Victoria's Secret fresh out of college, probably five years in, uh, which is around 2008. I started a design blog and I set up an LLC and I started side hustling. What's What year was this? 2008. Okay. So I, I think immediately... When I started the blog, I knew like, I'm definitely not going to retire doing PR, <laughs> you know, And, I, and I, but I also felt like I love design. This is really what I'm passionate about. And I love this industry, but it was 2008, so it was not a good time to be leaving your day job. And so it took five more years before I finally took the leap to do my own thing full time. Wow. Yeah. And so
0: during those five years, were you just honing your skills and getting things right and, and just keep keep on.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you know, sort of teaching myself how to run a design firm by working on all of these small projects. I was building my personal brand. I was sort of planning for the future, saving money, kind of doing all of the things so that I had everything in order for when the time was right to take the leap. Yeah. And yeah, and I took the leap and it was literally the best decision I ever made and changed the course of my entire life.
0: Totally. So what would you say to someone? Because I meet a lot of young women who in the world of Uber and Amazon, they think that you know, their career and success or their startup is going to be instantly successful. So you mentioned you saved money, you prepared... What did that, you know, once you started, what advice would you give for someone of like, no, this is a this is a longer road?
1: Oh, yeah. Like I remember when I started my design firm, which is a small business, very different scale than Claire. But another design friend of mine who runs a firm said, be prepared to make no money for two years because it's really hard to build your clientele. And from that, I was like, okay, this is not going to be as easy as I thought. And, you know, so even in that business, I knew it was going to take a lot of work. And if your ambitions are to to run a smaller business, um, maybe consider having multiple revenue streams, which is what I did in my old business. But then if your mission is to build a high growth company, um, like what I'm doing, it is really difficult. It's, you know, it takes running a company, not just growing your business, but leading your team, keeping everybody excited and engaged and aligned with your vision and making sure everybody's executing flawlessly and moving really quickly and having investors. It's all a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. You have to be prepared to be all in. There's no like, side hustling a startup. <laughs> and so I think if anybody does have this like sort of false sense of my company is going to be a billion dollar company in five years, if you really look at the landscape of startups, yes, you have the unicorns, but a majority of startups don't have that fast of a trajectory. Totally. It takes a while to build traction. It takes a while to get it right. You make a lot of mistakes and it takes time to really get in the groove of making sure that you're, you're doing the right thing and that you've got it all figured out. So how do you go up
0: against the Goliaths of the paint world? Knowing that you know they have deep pockets, they have a lot of money, and here you are.
1: Yeah, I, you know it's a good question. While yes, the incumbents could outspend us on marketing, but I don't know if they could replicate our brand identity. Um, and so that's one thing that really differentiates us is the way that we position ourselves. You know, particularly in this category in paint, most of the incumbent brands aren't really focused on the individual customer. Their customers are third party retailers. Right. And so by by virtue of being a direct consumer brand, we're very customer centric. We have access to data that some of the other paint brands could never get about those customers. And while there's other things that could be copied, our customer experience can't be replicated. So, you know, at Claire, I'm focusing all of my energy on making sure that I'm building value in the brand and making sure that our customers love the product and the experience. Because if if that part isn't right, uh, you know, we don't have a business anyway. So, uh, you know, I don't think that the goliaths of the paint world could ever compete with us on customer experience. So having had a design background and a design
0: business, and then you enter into the newest one, Claire, I'm sure there's things with a direct-to-consumer business, whether it's technology-related challenges or just other implications, investor relations, client relations like that you're now dealing with. Have you had to teach yourself like how to service and manage that as well?
1: Absolutely. Like, for example, you (laughs) you mentioned investor relations. For the past you know, five years I've been working for myself with no one to report to, and then right. all of a sudden you have a team of investors who've bought shares in your company and, and have a stake, and you know, like you have to manage up to them, and that is something that I haven't been used to, and so that definitely requires, uh, you know, a refresher on on skills and trial and error about like what's the right communication style and the right communication cadence. And one thing I know for certain is that I don't have all the answers, so I'm learning something new every day. I'm constantly teaching myself things every day, or if I don't know, and I can't self-teach, I'm asking someone else what they did and how they did it. Um, And I think having that network is so important.
0: Totally. So what would you say you do when you want to turn off or you have non-Claire related passions? What, What do you do?
1: I spend time with family. Okay. I've got nine nieces and nephews. Three of them live in New York. And just hanging out with them brings me all the way back down to reality yeah. because they don't look at me as a startup CEO. They look at me as auntie. They just want to have fun and watch cartoons and like eat cookies or whatever. And so definitely I, I get so energized when I'm hanging out with my nieces and nephews. And then I would say having a moment to um, escape from it all. So I love to travel. And even if I don't have the opportunity to travel, just like being alone with my thoughts and like thinking and having time to reflect also really recharges me as well.
0: So you mentioned your dad as being a huge source of inspiration for your entrepreneurial spirit. Were there any other men or women who have helped you along the way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... At every stage in my career, I've probably had different mentors. Right now, this whole CEO journey is, is new. So who I look to mentors are people who are in my shoes and who've who've done it before. Uh, a couple of the angels in our round are, around are um, Jeff Rader and Andy Katz from Harry's. And I really get such great advice from them when I'm having a really tough problem. I know that they've been there before because, you know, Jeff in particular, who founded both Warby Park and Casper. Um, so any problem I've ever had, nine times out of 10, they've been in my shoes. And when it comes to women, I think, you know, someone that I've gotten to know really well um, is a woman named Carrie Cooper, and she's the CEO of Rothy's, and she's had a tremendous career at ModCloth and Levi's, and uh, she's given me such great advice through my startup journey as well. Um, and so, yeah, just knowing other people who've been in my CEO shoes has been tremendously helpful.
0: And how do you know how much to ask them? Because sometimes I feel like, oh, shit, this person's going to be like, she's emailing me again. When I'm asking for my advice from my mentors, I'm always like, oh, how much is too much?
1: I know. You know, I kind of throw that fear out the window because sometimes I just really need the advice. And so I throw the worry about, am I bugging them? And I think Just being really open and being really vulnerable and saying like, listen, I have no idea what to do. And sometimes it might be a lot. I might be going through a really tough problem and I'm like, here's five things and I have no idea what to, you know, what to tackle for a second and third. And I think just being vulnerable is when I get the best advice. If I'm too guarded, I'm not going to have an opportunity to, to maybe have that person address all of the things that I really need. So I think the important thing when I'm seeking advice is making sure that I'm open and vulnerable. And um, and that's what i found to be the most helpful. So you were on the
0: Oprah Winfrey Network. Yeah. Did you get to meet the magical Miss O?
1: I never got to read Oprah. Damn. That is like, I know, <laughs> I know. I, I would joke around though and I'd be like, Oprah's my boss (laughs) but uh you know it was really very much like the show shot on location I was on set every day and every time every now and then I'd get to go to the own offices and I'd be like is she here today (laughs) but we never crossed paths I always say like
0: she she retired right before I should have been on Oprah because that just would have made my career happen a lot faster oh my god that's your that's your instant button right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so You're in the business of paint and you're direct to consumer. How important
1: is building a community around what you're doing? Super, super important. I think with any consumer brand now, um, it's so important to build brand loyalty, right? So in this category in particular, like paint and paint companies are pretty unsexy. And so for us, being able to build an Enthusiastic community of fans and followers who become passionate brand advocates can can catapult our business. You know, referral, and as you know, word of mouth referral is everything. And um, you know, just building a community of um, really, really engaged brand fans is is, I think, the secret sauce to having a brand that resonates. So,
0: without giving away your secret sauce, what are some of the things that have really helped unite your community and rally them around, Claire?
1: I think inspiring them in in home decor in particular, people are looking for inspiration. So they love pretty pictures. They love ideas that they can incorporate into their own home. And, you know, people are naturally voyeuristic. It's why shows like Cribs were so popular. Like people love seeing how other people live and, and finding little nuggets of that, that they can bring into their own home. So for us, like our number one goal is to inspire people. And that's really our company mission. It's to, you know, make shopping for paint easier and more inspiring. And so when it comes to creating inspiring content to, to keep them engaged and excited about what we're doing.
0: And what's Claire, what's the inspiration behind the name Claire?
1: So Claire comes from a Latin root word that means uh, bright and brilliant. And uh, there's so much fun wordplay there, bright in in terms of color and brilliant in terms of being innovative as a brand. But more importantly, I felt like the names in the paint world were so hyper-masculine. It's like Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams, you know? (laughs) And so I really wanted a name that had like, uh, you know, a feminine, friendly, uh, approachable feel. So, you know, it felt like the polar opposite of what you're used to hearing in the market. So that was really the, the driving force behind the name. Do you turn off? It's hard. But I do. It's rare and difficult, but I do turn off. You have to, especially being a solo founder of a high growth company. You will burn out, and if you don't turn off and practice a little bit of self care, you'll burn out, and you'll never be able to be a good CEO. You won't be, you know, a good mentor for your team. You won't, you know, nothing will matter if you're not content with yourself and, and taking care of your health and all that stuff. So, one thing I love to ask everyone as part of the podcast is a great piece of advice.
0: Um, that's question number one. Question number two is something people would be surprised to know about you. I'll share. I'll share a paint related story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Think, yeah. Um, so what is some advice that's been instrumental for your success?
1: I think the best advice I've ever received uh, is really simple advice, and it is whatever you choose to do. Make sure it's something you love. I think in the startup space, you have a lot of like really smart people that come out of business school and they're like, what's a good market opportunity, right? And so they're really just looking for a business idea that has legs. And for me, I really followed A passion. And it's why I'm able to stay so engaged because there's a lot of ups and downs. It's going to get really hard. And if I didn't care about paint or I didn't care about home decor, or I didn't care about helping people make their homes beautiful, I would not enjoy the work and and really be able to build a, a, a strong company. So just do what you love was like the best advice I've gotten. Love that. And what would be surprised to know about you? So... I have kind of a public persona. You know, I've done TV. I'm like, you know, have a really visible social media presence and all of that stuff. But I think people would be surprised to know that I'm actually an introvert. Like, I'm surprised. (laughs) Yeah, like, I need my alone time. One of my favorite things to do, going back to your question about do I ever turn off, is going on solo vacations. And I'm like, I can be adventurous, but... But the best type of trip to go on is to go alone to the beach and like be at one with my thoughts. Love that. And that's how I recharge.
0: And where do you go for these solo vacations? Literally
1: anywhere. My birthday was in August. On a Friday, at midnight on a Thursday, I booked a trip to Antigua and sat on a beach for four days Love that. alone with my thoughts. And wow. it was the best thing I ever did the whole year.
0: Now, if someone comes up to talk to you. Are you like, no, this is a solo trip, I'm alone? Or do you like find your community within where you are?
1: Usually I, I hang out alone, but if it's like dinner time and I'm at the restaurant or like I go, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll chit chat with other other folks around, but I kind of just need to be alone. I'll read, I'll meditate, I'll listen to podcasts, you know, and do all the things that I don't get to do on a day-to-day basis yeah. because life is so busy running a company. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I love eating alone. Yeah, I I, do that too all the time. Right? It's just like, ah, no, I don't have to talk to anybody. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know some people are very self conscious about like eating alone. Yeah. Or being at the table for one. And I'm just like, bring it on. Yeah. I'm alone in my aloneness.
1: I 100% agree. (laughs) I'll even go to the movies alone. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm not afraid to be alone. I think. I don't ever want to deprive myself of opportunities because I don't have, you know, someone to accompany me. So if I want to have an amazing meal, I'll go out and do it by myself when I want, you know, and it's awesome.
0: Ramen's a really good meal to eat alone.
1: Yes. I love ramen. (laughs)
0: It's literally my favorite thing
1: to eat. Oh, yeah. Tell me your paint story. Well, no, I
0: was like, there's not really a story to tell here other than I was an asshole. I was stupid enough to think I was really good at painting and my friend was redoing her apartment and then she told me to paint the ceiling gold and I got about a quarter of the way through the ceiling, and I was like, you know what? Mm-mm. <laughs> not gonna do this. For- Love
1: you, but not gonna do
0: it. It's not really a- <laughs> So I just left her with the problem. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Well,
1: painting a ceiling is actually like hard. Um, And it was gold. Yeah. And I'm sure like, yeah, painting walls is a little bit easier. The trick though, whether you're painting a ceiling or walls to make it easier is to use an extension pole. Yeah. A lot of people just take the roller and it's so much more work. If you have an extension pole, it makes the job so much more seamless. That's good to know. Yeah. I'm sure, but we don't speak anymore. Not because of that,
0: but (laughs) um, hopefully her ceiling got finished. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You said something that I read. It said when I was in my 20s, I was at a place where I didn't always stand up for myself when it mattered. What would you tell the other young women who've been in that situation?
1: Yeah, I would say you have to have confidence and belief in yourself. And I think particularly when you're in your 20s, you don't you don't have all the experiences and you you maybe um don't have the confidence to, to speak up and defend yourself or stand up for what's right. And, um, you know, to d- develop that inner confidence is really all about just having a very, very strong sense of self. So don't listen to that doubtful voice in your head, because usually that's what's holding you back. It's the voice of self-doubt telling you, I'm going to just sit here and stay silent because I'm not sure what's the right thing to do, or I'm afraid of the risk of speaking up and shut the voice off. and Do what's right. And, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of regrets in my life, but my biggest regrets are not something that i didn't do not things that i did and so shut that voice of self-doubt down and uh don't be afraid to to speak up for what's right i love that and where do we find claire how do we how do we find you yeah you can find claire at claire.com spelled c-l-a-r-e and we're on all of the social media channels uh including instagram at claire paint awesome thank you nicole thanks for having me this was so fun
0: That was Nicole Gibbons, the founder of Claire. You can find her paint at Claire.com C L A R E. And stay listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, write me. I want to hear from you. Let's be pen pals. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna read some reviews. Again, this is my fuel. So I recently i am on the app now. I'm I'm actually doing a live a live reading of my own review. So would love To read you guys a few. Here we go. This is from Marley R. Loving this podcast of talented, inspiring, and diverse women who are here to help one another keep it going. I plan to, Marley. The next review is from Krista Lee Bora. Rebecca Minkoff has been one of my favorite designers for years now since attending college at FIT. I've attended free sessions at her Soho flagship, and her podcast is The Coolest Ladies Talking Shop, and I couldn't love it more. Thank you for discussing important topics, especially those centered around women, and for having individuals like Michelle Lee and Hannah Brompman on it. Hashtag do it feels good. Again, I love these reviews. I love hearing from you, so please keep it up, and thanks for listening to Superwomen.